0: Welcome to Hire the Smile, the podcast on all things related to human resources and veterinary medicine. Join me, Katie Ardeline, and my colleague, Mike Pownell as we discuss how to support and take care of the people who are instrumental in making your business a success.
1: Great businesses share one common feature. They focus on taking care of their employees. They create businesses where everyone feels empowered and motivated to be the best they can be. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Hire the Smile, where we discuss all things related to human resources in the veterinary world. And once again, I am joined by Katie Arline. Good morning, Katie. How are you?
0: Hey, Mike. Just dandy. Just dandy.
1: So Katie, I wanted to talk about something hot off the press, what well, I've been reading a lot about lately, and I'm sure you have, about quiet quitting and I just see it every day there's headlines on it or discussions pretty well. I'm a bit of a news junkie. And no matter what newspaper I'm looking at or reading about, they're talking about it. Do you want it to kind of explain what it is?
0: Yeah. So, really, what it is is disengagement. So, it's just a new phrase for employees being disengaged, employees who just sort of do the bare minimum whether they're burned out or they feel like they should be getting paid more or whatever the case is, they just sort of, they come, they do their job, they go home. So they're not necessarily trying to do anything more. They're not trying to contribute to anything else other than what it is exactly that they're paid to do.
1: Kind of like life for me in high school, just enough to get by. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: Nothing is new, but yeah, it is the opposite. I mean, we all talk about employee engagement. Our discussion is always a, uh... How engaged are people and engaged employees go above and beyond. So quite quitting is sort of like the opposite. It's just the absolute opposite. So I just wanted to bring it up because what we're going to talk about today is giving feedback and listening to feedback, different types of feedback. If we're worried about people that aren't engaged, here's how you find out pretty darn quick. People want feedback. People really, they crave feedback. But the interesting thing is we as managers, coworkers, colleagues, friends, we're not really up to giving people feedback. Even though we underestimate how much other people crave it, the reality is we all want feedback. We all want to know how we're doing. This one article we're looking at is from Harvard Business School, not to be confused with Harvard Business Review, but it's called Why People Crave Feedback and Why We're Afraid to Give It. And the author, uh, Francesca Gino, says that people overestimate the negative consequences giving feedback for themselves, as well as underestimate the benefits for the other person. This misunderstanding persists, even when the feedback giver and receiver know each other well. So in other words, I think if I'm going to give feedback, it's going to blow up in my face, unlikely. Or they're thinking, well, people aren't going to really care what I think, which is not true. We all want feedback. Mm -hmm. So this is really a huge disconnect in the workplace because, you know, most employees want feedback. They want to know how to do their job better. They want constructive feedback, but we are reluctant to give it to them. So really, this is an interesting statistic. Huge international employee survey found that 72% of respondents rated managers providing critical feedback as important for them in career development. While another survey found only 5% believe managers provide such feedback. So 72 people want it, 5% get it. So Mm
0: -hmm.
1: any thoughts on that?
0: (laughs) I think part of it is we're not good at giving feedback. We're always afraid in your business and in businesses that Oculus works with. You're always worried about sort of destroying a relationship or having somebody be mad at you or something like that. But Something that I find always when I do employee engagement surveys is people want feedback. There are people who never get feedback or it's micromanagement type feedback, which is sort of useless or it's nitpicking or it's triangulated feedback. So people are just really afraid to give direct feedback. People want it. So we need to figure out how to deliver it in a way that people can take it so that change can happen.
1: For so this article, like one of the things they talk about that one a way to increase the likelihood of giving feedback is just to take the perspective of, of the potential feedback receiver. In other words, put yourself in their shoes mm-hmm. and you can remember when feedback would have been helpful for you or in your first job or, you know, anytime, like how you handle the case or your first mentor, when you're doing a, a space surgery, you wanted that feedback of how to do things better. And so we sort of look at feedback, it's great technically, but it also helps us be better coworkers, colleagues as well too.
0: And I think too, the thing that we always harp on when we talk about feedback and people talking to each other is that it really helps build trust as well yes. to give feedback. So people don't think that yeah, I only get feedback when I get in trouble, I'm going to have to go to the principal's office and talk to them about it. It just helps to have that sort of open culture where people aren't afraid to talk to each other about things that are important.
1: So you have an article you want to talk about too.
0: Yeah, the other side and the flip side of this, and we are talking about feedback, but we're going to, in a little while here, sort of switch to talking about check-in meetings and different types of check-in meetings as a vehicle for giving feedback. But part of feedback too is it should be a two-way street. Depending on the type of meeting that you're having and the situation, employees also want to give feedback to you, the company, as how are you doing? How do they feel? How are they being treated? There's an interesting article that I found from HBR, Harvard Business Review, called "What We Want Fewer Employees to Quit, Listen to Them. This is an article from 2019, but it's really interesting. And, and really, the it's not a super long article. What this article talks about a study that was done in manufacturing facilities, which generally have high turnover and very low employee engagement. And what the the study authors wondered was, if we give them an employee satisfaction survey, would just giving them that chance to give feedback be a tool that would help retain them, or would, would that help them stay longer? What happened was Everyone filled out a baseline survey. You know, how do you feel about how things are? And then about half of the group randomly got chosen to complete a follow-up survey. So initial results of the survey that everybody did was there was widespread dissatisfaction. And then the second survey that only half the, the group finished tracked and just asked a little more specific questions. But what they did was that they tracked the patterns of attrition for people who did or didn't fill out the survey, the second survey. And they found that the group who was given a chance to give more feedback had a 20% lower rate of attrition than the control group.
1: That's significant.
0: It's crazy. I mean, even yeah. the feedback wasn't great, but they still stayed longer. Anecdotally, I found that when I do employee engagement surveys, when I do one-on-one meetings, or even in the the comments that people make. They're really happy to finally be given a voice to say what they think. It kind of always boggles my mind how people just don't have a voice and it can build up and build up for years and years or their managers and the owners don't take feedback very well or it's just discounted so deeply that it's not something that is part of the culture of the company. So it's something that always jumps out at me for sure. Giving people a chance to voice their ideas, it helps promote transparency, it helps managers become better leaders, it helps you as a manager and be a little more self-aware. And it really overall has an impact on culture and engagement. So it's, I think the take home here of these first two articles is it's, it's really a two-way street. People want to give feedback. People want to receive feedback. How do we set ourselves up to be able to do this in an effective way, you know, to talk to people in a way that uh, they can take it?
1: I was just thinking as you were talking There is like five years ago, let's say, three years ago even, for a lot of businesses, veterinary business, even though we needed to do this, it's kind of like exercise. There's things you need to do to make your body healthy, mentally, physically. We didn't necessarily focus on that, on our business and keeping our business healthy because we sort of had for a while a surplus of of veterinarians. There was a pretty good supply of vets or support staff. So somebody left, eh, that's their problem. We'll get the next one. And I think with this pandemic and the post-pandemic world and the employment channels, is it's making us realize we cannot neglect these things. A 20% reduction in attrition is massive. Yeah. That's massive. So people who are listening are probably going, hey, but I want to give feedback. How do I do that? So uh, there's an article from gallup.com uh, from earlier this year, June 16th, 2022. And as always, links will be in the show notes. And so they basically have a bunch of tips. So number one, give feedback uh, timely and futuristic. And I thought this was interesting. Futuristic timely makes sense. Like don't talk about something that happened months ago. Talk about something that just happened or happened recently within recent memory. What I liked is that the manager should promptly address the potential for improvement, but focus on the future. Don't criticize the person as a person. That's kind of looking backwards, but. Be specific, timely with suggestions so the employee can implement any changes or additions or when uh, the next happened to them. I thought that was interesting, this futuristic approach to it. Like you can't change what happened. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about what we can do next time. Number two, uh, and this is really a big Gallup thing, is, is really promote strengths. It's possible to work on weaknesses, but all that does is tell them what they shouldn't do. So tell employees how to be successful, not how to stop failing is more effective. And we had a podcast on that. I think a couple ago, you and I sort of had a point counterpoint on (laughs) focusing on strengths or encouraging weaknesses. And like everything, there's a combination of both. Mm -hmm. The other one too, and I think it's the explain the fallout. People need to understand the consequences, how things happen, how it impacts each other. And not necessarily everybody knows about it. So we had a discussion just recently. And we were talking about something. And until we mentioned that if this continues, it really increases the potential for medical errors, then you also you can see the light bulb that went off. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now we've got to adjust it. So consequences are huge.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Be concise and clear, like not too much at once. We can only take one or two points at a time, not a, an encyclopedia. Be direct. Own your feedback. Don't talk about your colleagues because then we mm. get into the triangulation. Mm-hmm. You talked about that earlier. So instead, use your first person like you're talking about it. Again, we've had other podcasts. We can link that into the show notes on difficult conversations and a lot of great tips on that. And then communicate frequently and collaboratively. So again, with your difficult conversations, it's, we're on the same page. We're listening to each other. We're not making assumptions. It's a discussion. And so what they say, as a rule, managers should speak 30 percent of the time and employees 70 percent. Listening gives much more an ability for you as a manager to really understand your employees I was going to say clients, it's very similar, mm-hmm, it's very similar, mm-hmm. to your internal clients. And so just shut up and listen. And then ask for be- feedback. So what you're doing is setting an example for employees to follow.:
0: Yeah. The one point that really jumped out at me, and I think segues nicely into talking about check in meetings, is to not overwhelm people with too much at once. Like, don't save up until you have like 10 things to talk about and then do a fire hose where you just blast it all at them at once. We've talked before, I've been on my soapbox when we talked about performance management and reviews. We've talked about doing check in meetings. If nothing else, just sit down with people and talk about how things are going. Obviously, like you said, Giving and receiving feedback on how the company's doing is super important. In all cases, no matter what sort of type of check-in meeting it is, the big deal here is to create like a more open and trusting culture, get people used to talking about constructive feedback. Another thing too is people know that a check-in meeting is coming up. It helps them be a bit more accountable as well. It's like, okay, well, I have to show up, I have to be ready to talk about things uh, and it gives you as the manager less of an excuse to sort of wait and sit on stuff until it's review time. As we transition here into talking about check-ins, this is an excellent plan to do if you're in the process of building a bigger, more intricate practice management system, or if you have a smaller group, or if you're like, I just need to to figure out what's going on, just start talking to people. So Anything else to say there, Mike, before we talk, shift over to talking about check-ins?
1: Yeah. One last thing too. And it's important to understand from your employees, people that you work with, how they want to receive feedback.
0: Mm, True.
1: It's really important to ask them because some people want it in the moment. They don't care if it's been part of other people while others are like, I want the feedback in the moment, but please do it privately. Others are like, can we do it at the end of the day? Because if you give it to me in the morning, I'm just going to just stew on it the rest of the day and I won't be as productive. So having that and knowing it <laughs> and, and following up on it is, and knowing in advance is a great way to open the doors. And it also shows to your employees that this is something that you're serious about too.
0: Absolutely. That's a great point. When we talk about check-in meetings, uh, there are a few different types that we're going to talk about that we have, maybe haven't really thought about before. Starting with your sort of basic vanilla check-in meeting. This is a a meeting where we want to maybe talk about goals. We want to give constructive feedback, including maybe peer feedback. Maybe we've got a student or an intern. You know, these are where it's more focused on giving feedback to staff. That's not to say that it's not a two-way street because it always should be. But in a constructive feedback type scenario, we've talked about how to give this constructive feedback before, even just, you know, two minutes ago. (laughs) Focusing on the positive, as well as the things that need to be changed. And again, like you said, looking forward and talking about what you've observed or what somebody else has observed, uh, if it's in the case of peer feedback and using neutral language. So it seems like this happens, it feels like this happens, making sure they understand what the effect is on the team and then asking them for their perspective. Because I think the golden rule here that we always forget about is that impact doesn't indicate intent. Just because somebody has affected somebody else a certain way, it doesn't mean they meant to do that. Everything's a self awareness exercise in life. I think sometimes people just need to be aware of how they're coming across. Keeping that in mind, you know, and then other parts, constructive feedback, just agreeing on what we're going to do next, uh, trying to build a bit of accountability with that person. And I think this is a really great opportunity to coach as well. You know, there's all sorts of different types of, of professional coaching, but I think that the manager employee professional relationship is just a, a perfect opportunity to learn how to coach and to help people figure out their own answers to challenges. I think though like at the end of the day a simple format for having a check-in meeting is you know what's been going well, what's not going so well and what do you need? What do you need from the company? That covers off them giving you feedback, you giving them feedback, it gives them something to prepare when they come to the meeting. If you're talking about goals, That helps build accountability as well if they know they're going to have to talk about their goal progress. And if it's stalling, then you can talk about, okay, well, what can the company do to help you? Do you need more time set aside? Do you need resources? What is it that you need?
1: So Katie, question on that though. It's a bit of a two-way street. So you're a manager, you're not with the employee all the time. So you don't necessarily have a complete picture of how the employee's doing. And we all also have our own biases.
0: Biases, Mm mm-hmm.
1: So how would a manager reduce the biases and get a greater picture of how that employee truly is doing?
0: I mean, you could always solicit some peer feedback. The biggest thing here is asking them how they think they're doing.
1: Right.
0: What do you think? What sounds right here? What doesn't sound right? And I'm thinking back to earlier this year when I was involved in doing performance reviews for a company where... I didn't do any direct managing of these people. It was just sort of a funny situation. And it's like, I'm going to give you some peer feedback. And I'm telling you right up front, some of this isn't going to sound right to you. And let's talk about it if it doesn't sound right and see if we can pick up where this maybe is coming from. So I think you just have to be open. And the biggest thing is don't go in there with an agenda. Go in there curious and ask questions. Don't have that story built up before you walk in of why they did what they did.
1: So the 70-30, as I said, 70% listening, 30% talking.
0: Absolutely. Just one other sort of type of check-in meeting to think about is the student or the intern check-in, especially in veterinary medicine. We've got lots of students. We've got lots of interns. Doing a couple of uh, employee engagement surveys recently, there's sort of a, a range of support that these people are feeling. So I think that we need to make sure, and I think this happens a lot. People have established intern programs. They have established student programs. But sitting down and talking with them at the beginning of their stint, like, what is it that you want to work on? Where are we going to go with this? What are the goals for things for you to learn? Giving them feedback on how they're doing as they go along as well. I think we just need to, to be pretty organized when we've got students or we've got interns working with us so that they have the best experience possible.
1: Before we get into types of check-in meetings, let's just uh, take a pause. We'll be right back.
0: Do you sense that there's something not quite right with your company's culture? Is your team functioning below its potential, with formerly enthusiastic staff now doing the bare minimum? Do you wish you could get an honest report card on your practice's culture and the impression you are making as an owner or a manager? It can be difficult to take action when you don't know what's wrong. If we don't address issues and challenges, we risk losing even our most dedicated and loyal staff. We don't always have a reliable way to get honest feedback on how people feel about the company or even on our own performance as owners or managers. This is where the Oculus Employee Engagement Survey comes in. Employee engagement is defined as the degree to which employees are willing to go above and beyond to ensure their teammates and clients are taken care of, and it also measures the level of commitment that they have to your organization. Highly engaged workforces contribute positively to the bottom line in a number of ways, including higher productivity, fewer mistakes, and better client care, just to name a few. The employee engagement survey itself is a series of 33 questions based on the key dimensions of employee engagement with areas for comments from staff. The survey itself is a series of 33 confidential questions based on the key dimensions of employee engagement with an area for comments from your staff. We also conduct optional one-on-one interviews with experienced Oculus professionals to gain more context and insight. Nothing specific is shared. Staff can rest assured that there's no feedback that they're going to share that will come back to haunt them in the future. We produce a final report with reasonable, actionable recommendations. And having conducted dozens of employee engagement surveys, we are the only company able to provide vet industry-specific benchmarking data so practices can see how they stack up against other vet practices worldwide. We found that after conducting an employee engagement survey, practices know exactly where they stand with their staff and are able to make transparent, meaningful changes that result in a more engaged workforce. Owners appreciate the insights into how their actions and the company culture are affecting their team. Some even conduct surveys on a regular basis to see how they've been progressing and to detect any brewing issues before they become significant. To learn more about the Oculus Employee Engagement Survey package, head over to our website, oculusinsights.ca, send us an email at info at oculusinsights.net, or reach out on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Mention that you're a Hire the Smile listener to receive a special discount on your own employee engagement survey.
1: All right, so we've got a few kind of check-in meetings that are beyond the how's it going as we were talking about. And one we recently discovered is called a stay interview. And this was brought, I was listening to a podcast, David Burkus, B-U-R-K-U-S, has a great podcast. Just Google it. And I was listening to this thing called stay interviews. And he's like, you know, they're great tools for helping managers keep their talent with them and keeping them engaged, no quiet quitting. He references one study where, in a really busy hospital, conducting stay interviews was found to reduce turnover by forty percent. So, mm-hmm. with the evidence is there that this kind of communication is going to help keep your staff with you longer. So it's sort of like an exit interview when somebody's leaving. You have this interview: of why you're leaving, how was your time? But his attitude is like great, but it's kind of a backwards thing. Let's find out while they're still with you to sort of maybe cut off something that you as a company are doing or not providing for the employee that is not going to get to the point where you do the exit interview. Yeah. So it's very proactive thought on that.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I remember doing this type of stay interview with a a company that Oculus worked with a number of years ago. And just the insights that you get from people First of all, they're always like, I can't believe you're asking me these questions while I'm still here, which is always interesting. Uh, but it's kind of like a mini employee engagement survey or a mini 360 review for the company. You know, how are things going? What, what is it that you need? Is there something you're not getting? Because absolutely, once the exit interview happens, the horse has left the barn for yep. sure. So yep. having that, that stay interview is so important. People really respond well to it.
1: Yeah. And I can tell you, we've started introducing this in my own veterinary practice. And yeah, two thumbs up. So five questions. First one, what do you look forward to when you start your workday? Is it the type of work you're going to do, the clients that you have, the coworkers? It's interesting to understand that. Uh, we had one person and it was interesting to uh, start talking about they are looking forward to Getting through process, they they really like completing things. They are very task oriented people, mm-hmm. so they love when their day is organized and things go as the plan. And that which is, I think, a lot of us we like to plan really well. And, and so then it gives you another conversation as well. Are you finding that this isn't happening? And so again, it's as being a good listener, you find the questions to ask as a follow up. Another one that I thought was great is, what are you learning in your job? Mm -hmm. And so again, an opportunity to find somebody who has plateaued, is curious in some other form of medicine or what have you. Career growth is a big motivator for people. And so if you are opening the doors for them to develop professionally, better chance they're going to stick with you.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Interesting question. Why do you stay with us? I remember the first time I was asking that I was kind of nervous, Uh, but nervous is compared to the next question. (laughs) Uh, But why do you stay with us? So people stay in the jobs for both intrinsic and extrinsic reasons. Mm-hmm. Intrinsic reasons are like what we just discussed. What do you look forward to? How can you grow uh, your coworkers? Those are the things that they're enjoyable and they give you a sense of progress or meaning. Whereas the extrinsic are like pay, benefits, time off. So people stay for intrinsic reasons. But if you're only hearing extrinsic reasons, when you ask this question, then your employee could be looking somewhere else for better pay, better benefits, what have you. this next question. I, first time I asked it, I was almost as nervous asking this as when I proposed to my wife, (laughs) uh, because I was like, how is this going to go? And I was just like, let's go deep, dive in the deep end. When was the last time you thought about leaving? Like that was like, okay, People answer honestly, and it's good for them to bring it out. You can just see the sense of relief. I think, well, sort of look at you like, I can't believe you're asking me that. But since you're asking, I'm going to tell you. I've learned a lot. I really have learned a lot. And so I think this is a great, great, great uh, question. Mm-hmm. Because this is a stay interview, anytime they thought about leaving, well, they've rethought about it and stayed, but it at least helps you understand what led to it. Mm-hmm. And then finally, and this is the easiest one, is what can we do to make your job better? again, listen, listen, listen. So when you get through these five questions, it takes about a half an hour. Thank you for, you know, thank them for being part of it. But what I've been finding too, and he suggests and is true is a week later, follow up. Thank you again. I've done a lot of thought on this. Is there anything else you want to add to this and share the ideas that you have from the feedback of what we could do as a company to help them?
0: Yeah. The caveat as always here is You have to have a certain level of trust before you ask a question like, when was the last time you thought about leaving? (laughs) Because, you know, I can think of companies that we know where staff would be like, is this a trick question? It very well might be with some of the leadership personalities that we've worked with in the past. So be a little bit careful at that. I think using your judgment about whether that's an appropriate question to be asking at your practice with the current state of your culture and your staff and, and that kind of thing would be a good thing. You don't want them handing you their resignation like, oh, funny you asked. Here you go.
1: <laughs> well, again, it gets back to what we have talked about recently, psychological safety, that they have to feel mm-hmm. comfortable, that there's no repercussions from them being honest.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Very true. So so, what other kind of check-ins are we want to talk about, Katie?
0: I mean, there is just the sort of the straight up exit interview yep. where you ask really the same sorts of questions as you just talked about in the stay interview, but you can ask more pointed questions as well. Exit interview is pretty well known, but I think another one, and you suggested this recently, and I was like, yeah, this is a great idea, was when somebody's going off on a leave, so whether it's pregnancy or maternity leave or parental leave or something like that, asking how well the employee felt supported through their pregnancy up to that point. Did you get the information you needed? Was there enough timely back and forth with management so that you, you know, if you needed to modify things, was that that done well? How was the language around talking about your leave? All of that kind of thing. It's something I hadn't necessarily thought about before, because to me, and doing one of these interviews lately, there's sort of the side of things where... This is personal medical information on their side. So, talking to them about government leave money that they're going to get and all that kind of thing. To me, that's like, that's for them to figure out. That's not for the company to figure out. But then there is that whole other side of how well did we support them through this and how can we do better? I think that that was an interesting thought to have that kind of, of interview, exit interview. And then also the student intern experience as well. Right. You're doing check ins with them, but then at the end, How would you rate this experience? If they've been with you for more than one year, in the case of maybe a summer student, like how did this compare to previous years? And then talk about next steps. And I think particularly for interns that you might want to come back and work for you, you need to be really careful, but make sure that they have a good positive ending experience as well. If your interns aren't wanting to come back and work for you, this is a great uh, time to figure out why that might be. So checking in with them about that those are the types of exit ish or other types of check-in meetings we can have. But I think, you know, project check-in meetings are another thing that could happen. It could be with more than one person, anything that you do to communicate how things are going at the end of the day is going to be a good thing. Sure, People aren't usually irritated that they're having a check-in meeting.
1: Excellent. Yeah. Since we started, you know, really focusing on check-in meetings, it's it's made the world of difference to my own practice and then the other practices that we've worked with. So highly recommend.
0: Totally. And I think the bonus here is, is that when it comes time for yearly reviews, which are more formal, it's just so much easier to talk stuff with people. It just makes the world a difference for sure.
1: So as always, we have a listener question and we always ask everybody, if uh, anybody that's listening, if they have an HR question that they would like an answer or us to address, they think other people may be interested, please reach out info at oculusinsights.net. Or you mm-hmm. can reach us, Oculus Insights, on Instagram and Facebook. So the question this is, so much of what you do during your podcast is focused on how we can make the best work environment for our employees. Well, that is an important focus, what about the owners or managers that have to carry the burden of making sure everything is just so for employees? I'm the owner of a growing practice, and this year has just beat me down. You're not alone the hamster wheel of staff leaving, onboarding new ones, and the daily challenges of owning a practice are suffocating. What can a practice owner do to take care of themselves to make a practice one that a person wants to be an owner of? Well, isn't that flipping the script on a lot of what we've been discussing? Mm -hmm. But boy, I've been hearing a lot about this, though.
0: So as a practice owner, Mike, what, uh, what do you suggest?
1: This is sort of a, sounds a bit flippant, but I was walking to work today because I'm trying to exercise more to take care of myself. And the more I exercise and carve out those times of the day for myself, it's better. But I was thinking of this question because I knew we had to answer it. And I was just reflecting on it. And I just find with myself, whenever I know I have a big question or a question I haven't thought about before, usually I'll read an article or listen to a podcast and there's just this bizarre coincidence of the subject matter is totally aligned with what I'm talking about. So one, I was listening to a podcast from uh, Freakonomics. Many of you read the books Freakonomics that came out about 15 years ago, and they have a great podcast. And this one had an interview with Will McCaskill. He is a, what they call him, a moral philosopher, considered one of the best thinkers of modern times. And he was talking about a lot of things, and he's got a great new book, and I'm just looking it up, uh, it's on Amazon, it's called What We Owe the Future. And he really has this long-term approach to things, and that got me thinking, and he had a very optimistic long-term approach to things, and I'm not gonna talk about the book, but it reminded me of a saying that I read or heard, and basically, when times are bad, they're never as bad as you think they are. Conversely, when times are great, they're never as great as you think they are as well, too and all things do pass. And we are in a rut. And I think having distance really helps. And so realizing that this is a bad year. I've owned our practice for 20 years. This is the worst year in 20 years, which one in 20, not bad, not bad. And so times will get better. But how do you get that distance? And it is taking the time off. Like we're always making sure our staff is taking the time off. We as owners, managers have to take the day off. I'm taking tomorrow off. I need a day off. Just need to step away for a day. Again, the things, as I said, like taking time to exercise, finding some mindfulness, something to take you away from the immediacy of what we're doing, because it does seem overwhelming. It just seems like every day it's what's next. Mm -hmm. And to step aside and realize, yes, what next? And our industry is changing. Where it goes, nobody knows. But we can only be the best for ourselves as an owner, manager, by taking care of ourselves first. And that sounds really trite and and simple, but it's kind of true.
0: Something really important to mention is if you're at a point where you feel you're at a crisis point, you need to reach out and you need to ask for help. If it's an immediate crisis, you know, reaching out to resources that are available, or thinking about engaging maybe an executive or professional coach to help you gain yeah. that perspective, I think you don't necessarily feel like you have to put all the pressure on yourself to get yourself out of this. There are resources that are out there. As much as you can feel like you're at the bottom of a deep hole, reaching out and just waving your hand in the air and saying "I need help," I think is something that we need to make sure that people. Remind
1: themselves of having a coach is just stellar. I got into executive coaching three years ago and it was transformative. So, yeah, yeah, good, good call. So, anyway, I hope that helps. One last point I would say too, but as owners, we know a lot of other practice owners don't hesitate to reach out to other colleagues and just check in with them too. Sometimes it's nice to know that by helping another, we feel better about ourselves sometimes too. And I think that's helpful too absolutely. Well, thanks, everybody. We'll be talking to you a couple of weeks. And if you have any subject you'd like us to discuss, or you have a question about your own practice, uh, don't hesitate to reach out. Take care, everybody. See you, Katie.
0: Thanks, everyone. Bye.
1: Thank you for listening to Hire the Smile, brought to you by Oculus Insights. Our goal at Oculus is to support veterinary businesses around the world by helping you clear your path to success. This episode was produced and edited by Heather McPherson. You can see what we are up to by checking us out on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, and our website, oculusinsights.net. If you think you could use a business advisor or performance coach, go to advicebyoculus.com. See you next time.